Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What up, what up? This is Comedian Juice, and you listen to Topic Thunder. What is going on, you people are listening to Topic Thunder. Welcome to our third edition of our weekly episode. I'm your host today, Dylan Huntzinger of Thunder Chats, and I am joined today from the city of Seattle, Stephen Dolan. Stephen, what's cracking, man? Man, an unforeseen difficulty of doing this kind of thing is podcasting sad. Hey, what... You are not alone in those sentiments, brother, so take heart in that. Also in those sentiments, and also joining us from the state of Nebraska, is Matty Moles, Matthew Mullins. How are you feeling? Uh, overall, I got my health, um, but my <laughs> team looks garbage, so... <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, misery loves company, so we'll, we'll all be fun together. Hey, at least you're healthy, man. That's all that matters. Well, I'm hoping uh, after tomorrow night my bank account is real healthy because the Mega Millions is $1.6 billion. Hey, I bought one, too. I've bought, like, two two of these tickets in my life, and I got one. Finally reached my breaking point. $1.6 billion is not. your threshold? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about that, I guess. I have it was not, the last time was when it reached up over a billion. I was like, "All right, time to invest." <laughs> it's like might as well put it out there. Don't even get me out of bed for five hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, but I'm sure if you guys win, then uh, you guys will spread the wealth with your boy. You know. But, but anyways, guys, the guys, the NBA season is back and it's in full throttle, and there's a lot of weird things happening. Um. The best way to describe this is to go ahead and set this up that we have played three NBA games. Um, well, we've probably played about one and a half NBA we've, games. We've participated yeah, in games. Point. Maybe that's the There you go. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Um, we played against the Warriors, we played against the Clippers, and we played against the Kings. And... Uh, you know, we, we dropped every single game. We are 0-3. Um, hmm. So, I, th- I think before I get a little sad, we're going to go ahead and hook up the TiVo. You don't need to explain to me why you need TiVo. They hook up the TiVo yet? All right. So, the first game was the most anticipated game. It was opening night against the Golden State Warriors. And in this game, we actually put up a pretty good fight without Russell Westbrook, 108 to 100. Uh, Paul George started out slow, but finished strong with 27 points. Uh, Steven Adams playing through 
a lot of pain in his back. Uh, finished with uh, 17 points and 11 rebounds. Intruder, steadying the ship in the first half, kind of swaying off at the end. Had 21 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. Um, that was the stats for us. Uh, really, the story for the Warriors was Steph Curry was just doing Steph Curry things, man. 32 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. And the Golden State Warriors was able to overcome a sluggish start, sluggish shooting night, and beat the Thunder. Uh, you guys got anything to add about this game? Steph Curry stat patter. <laughs> yeah, for real. Absolutely. All right, that's all we had to add about this game. <laughs> because it's the Warriors, and we don't like the Warriors. Um, yeah, no, look, I mean, I mean, we covered it in our in our recap. I think that one was me and you, right, Dylan? Mm-hmm. And I think we all felt pretty good after that game, considering that Schroeder shot terribly, which we didn't think was a, a trend that would continue. Uh, it has. And considering that we were without Russell Westbrook, uh, something that would surely make a difference when he came back it didn't quite so we felt good after this game uh, it was the best of our losses it was the the moralist victory of our losses but I, I don't know Maddie. unless you have anything to add we can I think move on to the, the second one um, it was an enjoyable game to watch actually um, for the sake that it was yeah well but like, what is it? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Like, yeah, it, right. it was the best because we're Mr. like... Mr. Dickens. Because we thought that we were actually going to get dominated and run off the court because Russell wasn't playing. And then we were competitive, and I think we actually had a lead late in the game, and then they pulled away. And so they just got our hopes up just to crush our dreams of, you know, winning on ring night. So, but, it, I mean... Just, right, and it, it was... Go ahead. I was just going to say... To say that that's been the most enjoyable moment of the season so far speaks volumes. So, well, there was also a moment in the second game where it it looked like we were really gonna pull away with that game, and it was with I don't know eight or nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, I think, and then we ended up losing by 16 points. So, the the inability to get a decent shot off in crunch time without Russell Westbrook was a real problem that I think we thought would be a little bit better this season than it has been so far. Yeah, and in that game against the Clippers, as you said, we lost by 16. It was 108 to 92. And really, once we hit, I think, 90 points, the wheels kind of fell off. I think uh, we Mm -hmm. was either tied or down two at that point, and then we didn't score again. And I mean, that that was the game, though. (laughs) That was all she wrote. Um, Paul George had 20 points, but he really struggled shooting the ball. Seven of 27. It's not. It's not a great night when your best player misses uh, 20 shots. Um, then Stephen Adams actually played pretty good. 17 points, 18 rebounds, and absolutely destroyed Boban Marjanovic on a poster dunk. That was that was fun to see. But Schroeder had eight points on eight assists and two of 15 shooting. You guys got anything to add on this game? Yeah. Uh, you know, new season, same story. It looks like Carmelo Anthony is back just with a, a streak in his hair and maybe a little thinner. But it... Easy. Not... I mean, a guy that we're relying on to be a consistent scorer for us. 
um, that could get us, you know, 15 to 20 a game and not doing it very efficiently. That was pretty frustrating. Um, I blame the poll that you guys pushed out based on Dennis the Menace versus the Shredder. Uh, maybe that got in his head because he didn't know what his identity was. But uh, it's uh, it's been pretty rough going of it at the beginning of the year. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Russ being back uh, might help stabilize that, um, and he won't have to shoulder so much the load. But it was uh, it was a pretty. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you you hope it'll stabilize it a little bit, but we've seen a game since then where it didn't really seem to help all that much. Well, I can hope. Still. Yeah, but before we move on to the next game, I did want to point out that uh, Daniel Gallinari, man, he he looks healthy finally. He had 26 points, 10 to 16 shooting, four or five from deep, and was just making Patrick Patterson look terrible out there. Yeah, Gallo's great, and the only question has always been his health. And you know, we're three games into the season, so let's not speak too quickly about his health lasting. Hey, he's, he's looking good so far, though. But, hey, moving on to the next game against the Kings, which happened last night. The The wounds are still fresh. Um, we lost that game by 11 points, 131 to 120. And Russell Westbrook's triumphant return in the home opener at the Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City. We lost it at Sacramento Kings. Um Russ played his heart out. He had 32 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. I say he played his heart out in the offensive end. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Paul George, uh, following suit, had 29 points on 10 of 18 shooting. I uh, had five fouls, though, which proved to make a pretty big difference. And uh, Steven Adams kind of struggled in this one with uh, 10 points and 14 rebounds. And Schroeder, playing in his customary six-man role, had 14 points on 5 of 16 shooting. But eight assists off the bench. Um, guys, what did you take away from this game? Uh, I know, Maddie, you, you did a recap of this, so kind of recap your recap a little bit. Um, yeah, so it was, it was titled, Who Put the Lid on the Basket? And that was pretty pretty well accurate. Um, there was even a shot by Paul George late that was, I would say, seven-eighths of the way down, and it somehow decided to, to come out. That, that's pretty much how the game went. Um, we might get into into some of that later, but just a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of missed open looks, and then the Kings were on fire. Um, Imam Shumpert was one point off of his career high. He had 26 <laughs> points on 13 attempts. So, the, Continuing the long history of random players going off against the Thunder on random nights. Yeah, and then... And guys, I tried to tell you, the Kings are stacked. <laughs> stacked. I said this is the last <laughs> week we fought. I mean, they're stacked with young talent. Which we didn't listen. I actually said. Young talent like Iman Shumpert. Hey, Iman <laughs> Even without Iman Shumpert, man, De'Aaron Fox played a heck of a game. Buddy Heald killed Terrence Ferguson. The Willie Cauley-Stein, he was in uh, foul trouble, and he still played real good. I mean... The teams have a nice young team. Um, you know, they've been given, you know, obviously this is their first win, but they've, they lost to the Jazz by six. Um, they hung up 129 on the Pelicans before the OKC game. So 
people have wrote this team off a little early. I think they got some talent on there. Um, it's just going to take a little bit to, you know, develop them. Um, but I actually, you know, I kind of liked the offense that we showed in this game. Um, you know, with Westbrook back, I said, you know, he was amazing offensively. I didn't feel like he was really forcing anything. I thought everything was in the flow of the offense. I didn't really sense any hero ball. I didn't sense any stat padding, and I thought we was moving the ball well. We was getting good looks. It just weren't going in. And, you know, we all know in the game of basketball, it always looks better when the shot goes in. Um, and we, I mean, shoot, we shot 46 of 104 for 44.2%, 9 to 39 from 3 for 23.1%. Woof. And, and then from the foul line, we shot 19 to 30 for 63.3%. So, we, we just couldn't get the ball to go in the hole, and that that's the name of the game. Yeah, and the thing about that is if, if nobody can make a shot, how do you get to 120 points? And I think the answer must just be pace. I'm going to level with the listeners here. Uh, it was my wife's birthday yesterday. I did not watch the game. I was following a little bit on Twitter as much as I could get away with. And to me, the general consensus among fans was that Terrence Ferguson was the problem, Billy Donovan was the problem, and that shots not going in was the problem. But you score 120 points, and you give up 131 points to the Kings, it seems to me like the defense was the problem. Do, do either of you have anything any to shed some light on what happened with the defense in that game? Um, yeah, so... They gave us open looks, and we missed them. We gave them all kinds oh. of open looks, and they made them. Um, and then they were shooting tough uh, tough shots, you know, like the 7-10 the to 10 footers, kind of in no man's land, um, right before, say, Stephen Adams could get out and, and affect the shot. Guys like, uh, uh-huh. guys like Fox were, were hitting those with regularity. Um, the pace was incredible on both sides of the floor. Um, there a lot of missed shots and then immediately out in transition from both teams. But again, when you when the other team makes you know 10, 10 three pointers on what twenty one attempts, and you're shooting thirty nine attempts and only making nine of them, that's kind of that kind of tells the story of how it's going. Yeah, and the last thing I want to add to this game is you know you're talking about defense. Um, there was actually a game break where they showed the coach's corner. I'm doing air quotes. This is great podcasting. But they did the coach's corner with Billy <laughs> D, in which he said, you know, this is a fast, young team. And if we don't get back in transition, they're going to get easy baskets in transition. And what happened? We didn't get back in transition, and they got everything they wanted in transition, just got running up and down the court, you know, beating us uh, down the floor off missed shots, and even on the inbounds. Um, you know, sluggish performance for us in transition, and we definitely got to clean that up if we're going to win Thursday and even beyond. So uh, that's kind of all I got for Sacramento. You guys got anything else to add? I, I have one more thing, which is that even though the Thunder is shooting incredibly, incredibly poorly from the three-point line this season thus far, um, which is something that is going to have to get better and Dylan like you said it seems like the general consensus is that they're getting good shots so that number should come up they're taking 36.3 attempts per game which is really remarkable for an OKC team 
So if that number of attempts holds and the three-point percentage comes up to even, like, not even league average, but just, like, respectable average, then I think it bodes well for the team moving forward. Yeah, for sure, man. And, um, you know, I mean, if uh, – yeah, I was talking about the shot selections. I mean, most of our shots were at the three-point line around the rim. And basketball, that's what you want. You know, mid-range shots, like you said, Maddie, there is no man's land. Uh, you know, the Kings were – they got some to fall there. <laughs> we historically have not been able to. So, hopefully that is a trend that we see continue as we go on to this next stretch of games which we're going to talk about uh, right now in your two-game forecast. All right, so the first game we got coming up, uh, this week on Thursday, Boston Celtics come to town to visit us in the second game of our four-game homestand. Uh, the Celtics are currently playing against the Orlando Magic, in which a little live update for the score. In which they are they lost 93 to 90 to the Orlando Magic. So that sucks for us. <laughs> Maddie, go ahead and talk about it a little bit, man. Yeah, so, I mean, you'd imagine that after dropping a game of the Magic, they'll be uber-focused and they they're, they have good coaching, um, which a do lot... We, do we get that same level of confidence after dropping a game to the Kings? Uh, no. No, we don't. Because <laughs> we played the Kings after playing the Clippers, and we saw that worked out. But, um yeah, Stevens should have those guys ready to play and should have them locked in. Uh, pretty much, they're going to clog the paint, I think. And Who, just, me? <laughs> and just and just <laughs> dare us to shoot threes. Um, Russell's one for six last game. Uh, P squared was one for six as well. And we got to get more production out of those guys uh, hitting threes, like we mentioned. Well, Boston... They're they're a really solid team. Um, they they're hitting thirty four point seven percent from three, which uh, before this this game tonight, this is all their first three games. Um, that's around league average. They're hitting forty one percent of their field goals, and then the big thing where they're making their money, they have a defensive rating of ninety seven point seven. To keep that in perspective, OKC's defensive rating is 110, and we've gone against the Kings and we've gone against the Clippers. So, um, the the Celtics have gone against the Knicks. Okay, I give you that. But then against Philly and against Toronto. So two teams that are are pretty talented, uh, have the ability to score a little bit, um, and can get out in transition. So. Boston, they're they're arguably going to be a one or a two seed by season's mm-hmm. end in the East. Uh, you can argue that maybe they fall to three if Philly can get things rolling, but um, it it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding for us. It's not impossible, but we've got to hit our open shots. Yeah, at least we've got them at home. But what did you say they are from three? Thirty four point seven percent. Is Th- that right? Thirty four point seven percent. To keep that in perspective. 
the Thunder are yeah. shooting 23.9% from oh, three. Gross. So we dream that, of shooting that, 34% from three. That's probably eight. last in the league, right? And then, like, we could probably count on one hand even the number of players that we've had shoot over 34.7% in a game this season. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so... For for you guys that haven't been following the uh, the Celtics too, um, Tatum is their leading scorer with twenty one points, and he's also their leading rebounder with ten point seven. So, and he's doing all this with all their pieces healthy. There's no no real significant pieces missing. Kyrie is their leading assist man with six. Gordon Hayward is uh, the leading steals with two point five, and Al Horford blocks two blocks a game. So they have pretty good balance on both ends of the floor. Your, your leading point getter is 21 points, but you're still able to put up some significant points as well. Um, they don't move the ball a lot, Irving being their assist leader with six assists per game. But they're, they're solid in their offensive sets, and Stevens seems to always get them in the right position. So both ends of the floor are going to be a struggle for us. And you wonder who we're going to match up against either Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum, whoever Paul George doesn't take. Uh, Because I don't think Patrick Patterson can defend either of them adequately. So I expect Jeremy Grant to play a lot of minutes in this game. What's a matchup that uh, you're looking forward to, Matty? Matchup I'm looking forward to is watching uh, watching Dennis in the second unit go to work because he's got speed and so if they if they try to match him up with say a Marcus Smart or or a Rozier I think he can get right by those guys and can affect the game if he settles on jumpers then it, that's not that's not where we're gonna live that's not where we're gonna be able to thrive with the second unit but also. Uh, Narland's Noel is killing uh, in the second unit. He's providing a lot of energy. He's getting a lot of easy buckets. And so when Horford goes out, if, if Steven Adams grabs a breather, I feel very comfortable that Narland's Noel and Jeremy Grant can do work in the paint too. So there's there's some stuff to get excited about matchup-wise. And that'll be largely against Aaron Baines, mm-hmm. probably. Is that right? And Baines so, likes to yeah, they're work definitely outside. Gonna, they're definitely going to have an athleticism advantage against him too. I mean, Jeremy Grant's got real long arms, so does Nerlens Noel, and we see how Giannis and Nakumpo keeps dunking on him every chance he gets, so let's hope we see a little bit of that. <laughs> I can get down with that for sure. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, that's the Celtics game, and uh, let's go ahead and get your all's predictions. Um, you know, we're 0-3 right now. If we lose to the Celtics, we'll be 0-4. If we win, it'll be 1-3. Maddie, what's your prediction? Uh, um, <laughs> my prediction is Boston 117, OKC 108. Oh, dang, you brought a score. <laughs> Steven, what you got, man? I, I, I can't in good conscience predict Boston to win, and I'm the one, I'm one of the two who predicted OKC to go 3-0 and in a week they went 0-3. So this is why you should never bet on a team that you're a fan of. But they just can't go 0 4, man. I can't. I can't see it. Russ is gonna score 45 points. Like he's not gonna let it happen. 
Yeah, and I was the other person who picked them to go 3-0 and last week. And, you know, like I said, even though we lost yesterday, I saw some things that was encouraging. Um, I think if you get some of those shots to fall, yesterday could have been a different story. I think we're going to see a different team, a more focused team. And, uh, yeah, I think we get the dub. And, you know, not so much make a statement because you can't make a big statement when you're one and three. Um, but I think we'll make a statement for the league. <laughs> so yeah, pick- man. As of right now, it's looking like me or you, Dylan, is going to have to do something embarrassing at the end of the season. So we got to make a comeback, man. Dag on right, man. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to the Phoenix Suns, in which we play Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. I knew it was one of those S days, you know. They're, they're tricky. So we play <laughs> one the of those fin- days ending in with Y? Yeah, one of them. Yeah. Um, so we play them on Sunday, the third game of our four-game homestand. And, guys, when I was looking at the stats for the Phoenix Suns, I had to pick my job off the floor. As a team, I want you to guess what they're shooting from the three-point line. Oh, God. Well, just based on what I've been seeing of Devin Booker, I'm going to say, like, 45% or something, because Ariza's been on fire, too. What you got, Maddie? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with, like, 43%, 44%, somewhere in there, like, low 40s. Uh, just low ball, Steven, just a little bit. Uh, well, you both <laughs> went over. It's 41.1%. Uh, he prices wronged me. <laughs> <laughs> They're currently 8th in the league right now, but listen to this. Devin Booker shooting 43.8%. Trevor Reese is shooting 40%. Isaiah Cannon is shooting 50%. Josh Jackson, 42.9%. TJ Warren, 55.6%. And Mikael Bridge is shooting 50% from the three-point line. Is this NBA 2K? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is a team that can fill it up from deep. Obviously, they're led by their guy, Devin Booker, who is on a t- tear what was you gonna I talk about? Slight, college? I think I think slight quibble. This is a team that has filled it up from deep. Yeah, yeah, that's rather fair. than can fill it up. We'll we'll see. That's yet to be seen. I mean, Devin Booker for sure, but the rest of them, I mean, we'll we'll see. Yeah, Devin Booker's gonna get his, and he has been in two games. He's averaging thirty points right now. Um, after that, you know, Trevor Reza, he's averaging 13. He's proving to be a really nice pickup for that Sun squad. And DeAndre Ayton, man, the rookie's averaging 11.5 points and nine rebounds right now. Um, I'll tell you what, the matchup that I'm most looking forward to is definitely not Devin Booker and whoever's guarding him because he's just going to tear up whatever poor unfortunate guard is matched up against him. Well, we should put PG on him, right? Probably. And let whoever our two guard is guard Josh Jackson. Like that's that's the plan, right? Or Trevor like, Reza. Trevor, whatever. What <laughs> I mean, he's gonna be in the. He's good, but he's gonna be in the corner. Like Patterson or Jeremy Grant can guard him. That's fine. Like, will you put PG on Booker and and he just needs to save some energy on offense? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, Booker's been on a tear, and I think, I think he's gonna have a good year. Um, yeah. The, the yeah, matchup yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to is DeAndre Ayton versus Stephen Adams. 
Um, you know, he's gone against DeAndre Jordan and Nikola Jokic, but I feel like defensively he still hasn't had his welcome to the NBA moment. And I think Steven Adams is going to give DeAndre Ayton that welcome to the NBA moment. I, I, I think even though those two guys are good, they're not going to have given him anything close to the physicality that he's going to see from Steven Adams. And I think he, like you said, welcome to the NBA moment. He might, he might wake up the next morning not remembering the game. <laughs> it's going to be real sore. <laughs> You got anything to add on the Suns, Maddie? Yeah, so this is going to be the game where I think Russ goes absolutely nuclear, and he has that 45, 15, and 12 type game, and then the terrible you Twitter takes You don't think tomorrow. Isaiah Cannon? You don't think Isaiah Cannon can handle him? I mean, <laughs> I know, I know that I'm, I may be in the minority here. But I think Russ might just barely edge him out. Um, and then we're going to get the stat patter, uh, terrible Twitter takes of tomorrow. Uh, takes from all the, all the kids on Twitter. So, I mean, you got to win those games though, right? We, we took the, the Kings for granted. We're not going to take the Suns for granted. Um, and I Hopefully. We're not. We're not. <laughs> um, because we got a lot of, you know, if if Patterson comes in and he's, you know, one for three or one for four in his his opening attempts, like he's gonna his minutes are gonna go go down because Billy Donovan can't afford us to lose this game. So he he might be able to get away with a, a loss against Boston if it's a, a close fought game, but that's he's gonna be maybe coaching for his his life seemingly at that point. I don't know. Um, we will talk about that in a bit, but I'm interested in who they're going to try to throw at at Russ because it's they're not going to have anyone, and if I mean they they're going to have to contend with uh, Paul George if they if they throw all their attention at Russ. But I was I was going to mention the Paul George uh, locking down Devin Booker matchup. I think that's going to be very interesting. The one thing with that matchup I'm interested in is can Paul George avoid the ticky-tack fouls? Can he stay out of foul trouble? That's going to be key because uh, Booker's pretty savvy. Um, he can he can get you in foul trouble quick himself, especially if he starts hitting threes. Yeah, that's that's a really good point with the ticky-tack fouls. That's something the Thunder has struggled with so far in the season is being able to be physical while also dealing with these new points of emphasis for the NBA refs where they're told that freedom of movement is at an all-time high. And honestly, as a Thunder fan, that's something that you hope is like these other points of emphasis rules. Like, you remember a couple of years ago when they were, anytime somebody touches the ball coming out of the net, that's a technical. And that went away after a few weeks. And by the end of the season, they were just calling it like normal. Or maybe the players were doing better at it, too. Some combination of the two. But what you said about who's going to guard whom for Phoenix is really interesting. Because they don't really match up very well defensively. Because you can't have Kanan guard Westbrook. But you also can't have Booker guard Westbrook. So maybe they have to shift Josh Jackson up. 
and then maybe Ariza has to guard PG, mm-hmm. which is pretty good, right? And then you hide Kanan on whoever our two guard is. But then whoever our four is has Booker, if you do all that, right? So if we put Jeremy Grant in there, that's no contest. That's why I think, like I said earlier, this game is going to heavily favor uh, Grant in favor of Patterson. The one thing I've noticed, and sorry to talk a lot, is uh, Jeremy Grant, (laughs) every time he touches the ball, if he's not shooting a quick three, he's putting his head down and driving to the basket. And it seems to be, you know, he's not really in control. He can finish tough shots, but he's already made his mind up that he's going to the hole and he's not paying attention to anyone else. And I, that's really got him in trouble a lot this year. He hasn't been super efficient at doing that. And it's kind of killing our offense, right? If if you drive in with the idea that I could try to finish myself or kick it out to an open shooter, that's one thing. So with Booker being undersized with that, the weak side defense could get there and maybe Grant doesn't make the extra pass out of that matchup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Steven, so what's your prediction for this game? Man, I predicted that we would beat the Celtics based only on my heart, and I have to do the same for this game because if we lose both of those games, then I'll I'll, I'll be really, really sad. <laughs> <laughs> be really sad on the inside. Really? On the outside, I'll be sad. <laughs> What about you, Maddie? Um, Yeah, if we lose both of those games, then my weekly wrap-up will be... I will be drinking something a little stronger than just flavored water. Um, We... uh, I think we do win that game, though. I think think we win it pretty handily. I'd say we win by by at least 15 points. Um, And a lot of these problems that that we're seeing, I think... Either they're going to be covered up or uh, we're going to start to get rolling on the positive. I want to say it's a combination of the two for now, but Russ will dominate. um, And I think uh, the Shredder will do his work. The Shredder. Oh, my God. The Shredder. Uh, Listen, we had a vote and they voted against it. Stop. (laughs) I don't. I I just. I think there's a a differential because you added a C and. I don't care what your backup poll suggested because the sample size was too small. It was fewer than 30 votes, and I just don't believe it. The shredder. The shredder. The shredder. Uh, <laughs> see? I, you know what? So, sorry to steal your thunder there, Manny. Um, hey, I'm all about stirring it up. I'll cause it, and then I'll step away. So, no. Uh, yeah, uh, Dennis the shredder will do work. Uh against the, the suns and uh i think it's i think it's gonna look good um and maybe it can get some positive momentum rolling um so we start one in four Woo! all right well I, yeah. I i'm with steven you know i predicted the dub against about the, the shredder no no not about that i will uh, never be uh, about all that. right <laughs> yeah okay I, I predicted a dub against the celtics so I got to predict one against the Suns. I think Booker's going to give us problems. I think Booker's definitely going to get his. But I think despite our history against the Suns and losing random games to the Suns, 
I don't think this is going to be the game. So I'm going to predict the dub there. So talking a little bit about Jeremy Grant, Patrick Patterson's, um, I guess the power forward. I was going to say parlay, but that's probably not the right word for it. <laughs> the position battle, the power forward position battle. There you go. Um, you know, Patterson, you know, going into the season, he was a guy that I really thought would thrive in this power forward position. Uh, you know, got space the floor, hit open shots, and be adequate enough on defense. But you know, three games in, he's not really making those shots. And since he hasn't been making those shots, he hasn't been providing that spacing that, you know, we've desired from him. And honestly, Jeremy Grant hasn't looked a lot better off the bench. So I guess the question is, guys, uh, who are you leaning towards? Um, I actually have an interesting take. Um, maybe we don't play a traditional four if we're playing Steven Adams. Maybe we play Paul George at the four some more. And we run two guards and we play Hamadou Diallo kind of at that quasi two slash three spot. Because if, if we're going to go you know non-positional as the way the NBA is going, we don't necessarily have to get pigeonholed into playing guys that aren't being effective just because of their size, right? Yeah, and, and that was actually a lineup that got a lot of run last night. Uh, the Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook, Comedy Diallo, Paul George, Adams lineup. Um, and, you know, they defense was off because, you know, Russ was not even close to trying. And Schroeder couldn't stay in front of De'Aaron De- Fox for nothing. Um, but offensively, they weren't bad. So, you know, with some tweaks here and there, Russ giving a little bit more effort, that might be a lineup that, you know, you could look at to close. I don't – I still don't know about starting them, but I, I see what you're saying. Um, Steve, you got a different take on this? Uh, no, not really. I think that's really interesting because the number of teams who have a power forward who could abuse Paul George on the block gets fewer and fewer every single season. Like, just – Three years ago, you had, like, David West, Zach Randolph, LaMarcus Aldridge playing a lot of four. Like, these were teams that he could not hold up against playing the four. But all those guys are either centers now or or borderline out of the league. So, I, I, I kind of agree that it's, I don't think it's a starting lineup, but I think it's one that should see a lot more minutes than it has been seeing last year even. And I think we could even maybe argue that Jeremy Grant would be good in a Clint Capella type role. Um, he was last year. Yeah. He, right. He was backup five last year. So he was great. that, and maybe that is what he is. But with what makes it tough is now we got Nerland's Noel who's balling out of control, and he needs to get minutes too. Yeah, absolutely. And there's only so many of those center minutes to go around, right? And between Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel, like that's that's basically all the 48 minutes that there are. But the Thunder center rotation is really impressive this season and I think when I look back on the stats for this third game that again I didn't get to watch, uh, I was happiest than anything to see Steven Adams get 14 rebounds 
because if he had averaged 14 and a half rebounds in the first two games and then Russ came back and he got like eight, oh my god, I, I would have had to delete Twitter. So <laughs> th- that he got 14, it really like kept me alive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The, the center spot's been a real revelation for this team that has lacked any consistency at every other position. Um, and one of those positions that it's really like consistency and is the wing rotation. You know, Billy Donovan mm-hmm. seems married to Terrence Ferguson at the starting wing position. Hami keeps coming in, providing energy, fi- having a nose for the basketball and just making things happen. Um, and then Alex Abrinas, you know, uh, he, he suffered a little bit of a, what was it, a mouth contusion? Mm-hmm. He had a mouth contusion against the Kings and about five minutes of action, so you didn't get to see much from him. But um, in his first two games, he was shooting the ball well. He's moving around. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's, you know, playing good defense. And you got TLC and Nader, who you just haven't seen play yet. So the question is, like, you know, what is Billy going to do with these wings? Because, you know, you look at Twitter, you talk to any fan, they're done with Terrence Ferguson. They are any fan at all, at, all of at, them. at all. I mean, you could talk to a Sacramento Kings fan, as good as he was for the Kings. They're like, listen, that guy does not need to be starting. Um, but you know, people are torn. You know, should it be Hami? I like Hami's energy off the bench. People are like, should it be Alex? I like Alex's energy off, or I like Alex's shooting off the bench. Um, so my suggestion is. Why not try TLC? I mean, it couldn't be any worse than what Ferguson's doing at this point. Um, you know, TLC proved to be a capable defender. Um, he showed great activity on the offensive end. And while a shot wasn't falling, it looked like a good jump shot, which tells me <laughs> eventually it's going to fall a little bit. What, what, what do you guys say about Steven? I mean, you hope so, but he was uh, 31% his rookie year and 33% last year. Like, it does look pretty, I agree, but it hasn't fallen pretty consistently. But the the three-point percentage aside, I think the real obstacle for TLC getting on the court just based on the preseason was a a perceived lack of effort. He didn't look like he was trying as hard as other people. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but he posted that he went in and got a workout after the game mm-hmm. like so if if that's something that he can identify as an issue as an obstacle between him and playing time then maybe he can correct it and maybe we'll see him dive on the floor after some balls and fix it yeah um i would love to see what the kid has but Billy has been pretty, pretty stringy with uh, with giving people minutes um, that we just don't see a lot of. Uh, I think that, especially guys that we haven't um, that we haven't seen play a huge role on on you know maybe even like the G League for instance with our with our squad with our organization. But what I I'm interested in. Is if Hami can't, if I mean, first of all, if Hami can't get minutes after everything that he's done this offseason and how it seems to be like Paul George and everybody else is really taking him under their wing, if he can't get solid minutes or that first crack with the starting lineup, I don't think anybody else can, maybe outside of Alex Abrenes. But um, 
Alex, now my guy that I'll say is Alex because it seems like he's giving more of an effort on the defensive end. He doesn't seem like he's such a liability. He's getting off of screens pretty well. He's he's in the flow of the game, and they're just not falling. Yeah, and one last thing about TLC, which is that uh, Deontay Burton got into the game before him. Yep. Which, when you're trying somebody from the deep bench to insert into a game where you're losing to an inferior team, what you're doing with that is trying to put energy into the game. Trying to get somebody with some get up and go out there. And the fact that even at that point, that person wasn't TLC is just kind of backs up my point that effort, perceived effort anyways, is the reason he's not getting any minutes. But yeah, I I totally agree about Alex Abrinas. I I think that he hasn't shot the ball particularly well in moments this game, although he's had, I, I don't know, at least one full court heave, which with this small of a sample size can really hurt your numbers. Yeah. But he every time he's out there, I see him as impactful, and I think his gravity is real. He creates spacing anytime he's on the court, and that's something that there, there's like three guys on this team who have that. Yeah, and you know, talking about the guy that kind of gets left out of all of this is Abdel Nader. You know, he's the guy we acquired in the off season. Who? Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, we're playing his former team Thursday. So maybe he could provide us some intel, you know, intel nader. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways, you're you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, you know, I, I stand by. You know, I agree. Ferguson has been playing great, but I think Hami's energy off the bench is really important. And I think Alex's shooting off the bench is really important because if you take Alex off the bench, I mean, we have two proven consistent three point shooters if you can call it that, and Paul George and Alex Sabrinas. If you put them both in the starting lineup, uh, you're hampering your bench to Dennis Schroeder being your best shooter. And that that's not great for anybody. Well, well, but the argument is that it matters less against the bench because you have fewer good defenders when the bench is out there, and it's not as hard to score. So spacing doesn't matter as much. Now, we'll see if that's true, but that's the argument. Alright, that's fair. Well, and another point with that too is Billy can stagger the minutes between Russ and PG as needed um, if you're Mm -hmm. worried about scoring punch on the bench. Um, I would argue that Alex being out there as a threat to hit an open three actually fits better with Russ because Russ can get into the lane and affect things and is always actually looking to dish it out. Like to me, that makes more sense than having Alex run with the twos and potentially get lost in the shuffle. I agree with that. Yep, that's fair. Talk a little bit about the twos, though. We got a we got to look at the guy who is in charge of running the show, and that is Dennis Schroeder. Um, obviously, he started the first two games, and you know he played the six man role in this past game against the Kings. And let's just call it what it is. He struggled. He struggled a little bit uh, shooting the ball. Um, you know, he... Struggled. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> shooting the ball, and he even had some uh, costly turnovers. Um, 
what's your guys' takes on Schroeder? You think you think he's gonna figure it out, or do you think this is gonna be, as Maddie said, a skinnier mellow? Man, I mean, look, he's shooting twenty eight percent from the field. That's not sustainable. Like, that is a ridiculously low number, even for him, who isn't a perfectly efficient player. He's shooting twenty eight point six percent from three. That's also terrible, even for him. But, I mean, the bright side is he's he's at almost 92% uh, from the free throw line, which is something this team needs. I, I just don't God see any see. way. I just don't see any way that it doesn't get better for him from the field, especially now that he's moved to permanently being against bench lineups. The one thing I don't want to see with his inefficiency is for him to – to stop being aggressive because of it. Like we need him to continue yeah. to be aggressive and push the issue because there aren't an awful lot of guys that can create their own shot or possibly create for others on this team. Right. We got Russ, we got PG and then we've got Dennis and that's about it. So mm-hmm. we, we need him to be aggressive and we need him to be in the flow of the game too. So Billy has to, he has to balance that a little bit. Um, I think, something that could help is playing more lineups with him and Russ in it together and not just keeping him exclusively or the bulk of his minutes always being with the twos. But you're right. I do see positive regression coming for, for Dennis. Mm. I was saying that more in jest, but, uh, (laughs) Hey, that that was smart, man. You sounded smart. Hey, I I looked, I looked those words up earlier today. So they're fresh in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and I think uh, the important, th- you know, this, this general discussion has been kind of gloom and doomish. Um, so I, I do want to shed some light on Schroeder's performance, particularly yesterday with the second I, unit. I personally think I'm doing an admirable job of hiding my depression. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I was encouraged by is, you know, we've seen him run with the starters. He has this undeniable chemistry with Adams. He was playing, you know, solid alongside PG. But the question was, how is he going to mesh with the second unit? And I think he showed great chemistry with Nerwins. They connected on a couple lobs. Uh, He showed pretty good chemistry with Jeremy Grant. He got some nice dishes to him. And, you know, I mean, he he ran good with Hami. So that's an encouraging sign to see. It was his first, literally, it was his first true game as a sixth man as a member of the Thunder. That's... um, uh, the blue-white scrimmage that's preseason and that's regular season. So I think, you know, as uh, as our boy Jerry from the group chat says, there's only one way to go, and that's up. So I feel good about Dennis. Um, now, I do want to talk about Paul George because this is a guy that I've had pegged as the MVP ever since he resigned with the Thunder in July. and It's in print. It's in print. It's on multiple audio outlets. <laughs> I, I can't stress it enough. Like I've, I've, That's what I've called out. And he hasn't done a lot to prove me right. Um, Steven, you got a stats for me, right? Yeah, so he has 25.3 points per game, which is pretty good. It's better than last year when he was at 21.9. Uh, the problem is that he's up. 3.4 points per game and he's up 5.7 shots per game which the shots are expected 
He's been the alpha dog with Russ out for two games. And then he was trying to shoot us back into the game at the end of that last one. Uh, but what's not expected is that he's shooting 38.2% from the field and 31.3% from three, which aren't great. <laughs> No, it's not. And, I mean, you know, this is a guy that shot 40% from deep last year. So, th- that's a definite regression, you know, as you mentioned. Positive regression. Well, I mean, from last year to this year. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, just, I'm, trying to sound, I'm just trying to sound smart like Maddie. <laughs> I understand. We, we all we all live in Maddie's shadow. Um, he's actually shooting shadow. three. <laughs> he's actually shooting three more attempts per game at this pace right now from last for year. For now. For now. So, right. Yeah, for now, obviously. You know, he's he's the main guy. He's the focal point on offense with Russ being out. Russ is back. That number's going to go down to a more, you know, normal regulatory number. Um, I think there's still time for him to turn it around. Um, but the big thing that I was really banking on was his defensive performance. And I don't feel like Paul George has shown – that dominant defender that you know we've come to know him as uh, thus far this season. I totally agree, and I think there is a chance that the entire roster has kind of taken these two Westbrook being out games as a continuation of the preseason. Like, no pressure, no expectations, let's go figure things out, and no urgency, most importantly. And then when Russ came back, they were like, oh, well, now it's the Kings. So, like, I, I really I really hope that they're woken up now and that the Boston game shows a difference of motivation. And we tend to play up and down to our competition, too. I mean, let's be, yeah. let's be real. It, yeah. When we were trying to get our first win, like us as quote-unquote analysts or, um, you know, commentary for for what happens in the games like we try to talk ourselves up to it but we were way more excited about the Warriors game than we were the Clippers game or even the Kings game and the Kings game that had that was Russ's first game of the season like we were pretty amped for that and we had no expectations Mm -hmm. that that was gonna that was gonna be as close as it was but I think that the team showed some serious urgency uh in that second half when we came storming back against the Warriors and and Paul George was hitting the problem was it wasn't sustained. And something that, that hit it, and this just came to my mind, was Clay Thompson missed a bunch of open looks in that game too that normally he would hit, and we were making some of our shots too. So I could see both sides we... of that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like like you're right that Clay Thompson was missing open looks, but we also shot very, very poorly. Like I feel, I feel like they offset but, yeah, I mean, the defense looked better in that game, and maybe that is just due to missing shots. Maybe just strictly on the defensive end, it it hid a little a little bit of issues with him just not knocking them down. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of the reason people are extra, extra mad about Terrence Ferguson. Right. Yeah, for sure, man. Now, we've got one more subject to cover before we get into our next segment. Um, and that is the hot button topic around Thunder Nation. Is it time 
to fire Billy Donovan. And I uh, think you guys might want to go ahead and cover me on this one. All right, guys, so is it time to fire Billy Donovan? No, stop it. <laughs> Nobody's getting fired after the third game of the season. And, like, oh, my God. he We've been to the Western Conference with this guy. And then we got beat when we were totally overmatched by the Rockets with this guy. And after three games, we want to ring the alarm bells and, and end the guy's livelihood? Come on. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, we're not the Phoenix Suns organization, right? Like, we don't fire a GM right before the season starts we don't fire a head coach like within the first two weeks really of the season like they did with watson so we let's pump the brakes a little bit the thunder we have sustained success i know that we've never started pump the brakes, kid pump them uh we've never started zero and three as as an organization here right so people are freaking out they don't know what to take about it but there are 82 games in a season last time I checked, unless this is a lockout year and I missed it. But it's uh, it's way early. Who knows? Maybe the Thunder can get hot and go on a run and win you know, 15 out of 18 or 15 out of 19 or something. And then our record looks completely different. So we're just getting Russ back. You can take the best player off of most teams, and most teams outside of Golden State will struggle. So let's not go crazy. If if LeBron wasn't on the Lakers, do they start? Oh, and, oh wait, maybe they... <laughs> so, I was about we to don't, correct you, but I see what you did there. We don't see anybody calling for Luke Walton to be fired, right? So let's let's take it a little easy right now. Yeah, man. If it, the Thunder, if the Thunder were even not even league average, but like league respectable from three, they could be three and zero right now. They like easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Maddie, to your point, um, you know, you talk about Russ coming back. We did lose his first game back, but if you look at the Jazz last year, different points in the year, the players play different roles. But when Rudy Gobert came back last year, the Jazz won 29 out of 37 games. They lost the first game he came back, and they went on a ridiculous run to in the regular season and get them in a hot streak going into the playoffs. So, um, you know, Russ was definitely a catalyst last night. Our offense looked better than it has in the first three games, and Russ on the offensive end was magnificent. So, you know, if he could buy in a little bit defensively and, you know, some shots start to fall, absolutely this team can get hot. Can we beat Boston? Absolutely we can beat Boston. Um, and can we lose to the Suns after that? Absolutely, we can lose to the Suns, but <laughs> yep. that's besides the point. Can we get a lethal shooter sighting, like in OKC stat, please? Because like, it seems <laughs> like that everybody forgot what lessons they learned. I told everybody they should have hired him in the off season. I tried to tell them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, and to the point, and to the chagrin of people who are in the Fire Billy Donovan crowd. If we fire Billy Donovan, who the frick are you actually going to bring on to coach right now? There's not many options out there that's going to be better than Billy Donovan. Hey, yo, the best thing you could do... Stan Van Gundy? Oh, Jeff, God. Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy? Oh, which, which one is it? <laughs> the best thing the, you could the do... The skinnier is, one. Which one do I mean? That's Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. 
The best thing you can do at this point, man, is just roll with the punches. Let this Speaking team grow. Let Billy Gundy, roll with the punches. Learn the team. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Y'all just hammered me, man. <laughs> you hammered me the last pod with the UK guys, and now you're hammering me with the Van Gundys. What's UK mean? Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Moving on before I lose my crap. We've got an award to give, guys. I have an envelope here. And in it, it says, The Academy Award winner for Player of the Week. What does that mean? Do I get, do I get anything? Do I win? <laughs> do I get I a bonus? <laughs> That'll be sick. <laughs> no, it's just, I don't know. Seems dumb. It does. Hamadou Diallo. All right, so... Hami played all three games. Against the Warriors, he scored four points. Against the Clippers, he scored three points. But last night against the Kings, he scored 11 points. He was 5 of 7 from the field. He hit 1 of 2 from deep. Guys, I I tweeted this earlier in the week. Terrence Ferguson waits for things to happen. Hamadou Diallo makes things happen. Yeah, he's, he's crazy aggressive. But it's a controlled aggress- assertiveness, if you will. Because it doesn't seem like he's trying too hard. He's fitting really well on both ends of the floor. Um, you can play him alongside essentially anyone, and he's going to find a way to impact the game. His hustle is like, you know, that's maxed out. Like, 2K should max up his stamina and his hustle, like, through the roof. And he picks his spots. I really like the way he can finish, and he seems very controlled when he shoots his jumpers, right? And people were knocking on him for his jump shot a little bit coming out coming out of school, and how, how did we get this guy? Like, how was this guy not, with how he's performing now, it sounds crazy, but how was he not, like, the 14th or 15th pick in the draft with just, with just what he brings to the table? Yeah, it is pretty crazy, and and second round draft pick draft picks are pretty rare on actually turning even into a competent NBA player, uh, even just a valuable role player. the 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 numbers from the past say that you have maybe a fifteen percent chance on on hitting a rotation player for a second round pick. So it's it's really incredible, but I. I think we can already at least say that he is someone who is going to be a rotation player in the future, right? At the very mm-hmm. least. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, two things that I really took away from the Brady Trantham interview that we had and that, you know, we can see is holding true is Hamdou Diallo gets better every time you see him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that, that's that been the case in all three of these games, going back to the preseason and blue and white game. The other thing that holds true is Hamadou Diallo knew, knows exactly where he was picked in the draft. And he believes within his heart of hearts 120% that he was slept on, that, you know, uh, you know, people passed on him, and he remembers that. Like, that dwells in him. He's not shy about it, and he wants to prove people wrong. And, you know, like you said, Matty, he's doing just that, and I couldn't be – any more happy for him. I think he's going to be a great player on this team. And, you know, obviously his role is increasing as it goes on. He played eight minutes, about eight and a half minutes in both the Warriors and Clippers game, but he played 21 against the Kings. Mm-hmm. So 
he's starting to find favor with uh, Billy Donovan, and we all know with Terrence Ferguson, if you find favor with Billy Donovan, you're going to be good on your minutes. Yeah, it's really true. And and but as you said, he has seemed to get better every single game, and I agree with that. But you know, the statistics guy in me says it's three games, maybe four. So, like, let's be careful to keep small sample size in mind and not just completely throw another 20-year-old under the bus as the Thunder fan base seems to be doing. <laughs> like, Terrence Ferguson is still a promising, young, 20-year-old, controllable, athletic, decent shooting <laughs> two-guard whatever his statistics this season say like let's go with the larger sample of last year and and let's let's not throw him completely under the bus although i i totally agree Hami has been more impressive this season let's just let's just be careful not to bury ferguson you mean by game 82 Hami's not gonna score 100 points he gets better every time he's on the floor steven come on now (laughs) every single time man (laughs) All right, Matt, do you got anything else to add on Hami? Man, no, except uh, I'm getting my jersey fitted tomorrow. So <laughs> There you go. All right, gentlemen, well, we are about at the end of the, our podcast. We're going to introduce a brand-new segment today called Thunder Grumblings. Let's <sighs> get ready to grumble! All right. I'm going to go ahead and get this started. Um, So yesterday, I actually missed the Sacramento Kings game. I watched the replay today on my phone. But yesterday, I was helping my buddy move. And when I was helping him move, I was in the process of unloading his truck. About six foot. That truck with the door rolled up. Probably about 5'10". So literally, every single time I grabbed something out of that truck and I stood up, whack! smacked my head on the door and and uh it, it was getting dark we didn't have a light so i stuck a flashlight underneath my hat and that was kind of my <laughs> headlamp and every time i hit the ceiling man the flashlight would fall and i'd be like dang got it so that that's that's my thunder grumbling there so how's your how does your head feel it feels better today yesterday not so much all right so i i'm bringing up the rear and in this uh, thunder grumbling segment and my car got stolen so I think I win Um, despite your bruised head Dylan (laughs) okay Uh, yeah explain this a little bit yeah man so like there's not much to tell like I walked out to go to work and clicked the unlock button waiting for the boop boop and got no (laughs) boop boop my car was just gone. <laughs> I knew exactly where I parked it, and it didn't exist anymore. So that's the whole story I have, other than my truck got stolen a year and a half ago. <laughs> I saw a vein popping on your neck there, Steven. I can tell you're actually grumbling there. <laughs> I'm legitimately grumbling. This is, this is a problem. <laughs> like, For- I... Uh, according to the police officer, this is not an area where they expect many car thefts. I am now a suspect in insurance fraud. 
because my cars have <laughs> oh, been stolen God. too often. <laughs> Plot the twist. Cop, if the cop had been wearing glasses, he would have lowered them to look me in the eye and say, Are you sure, son? Oh, <laughs> That's the impression I got. I had to answer an extended survey from my insurance company about what my income is, about if I owe anybody money, about <laughs> about <laughs> if I've tried to sell the car in the past, because they do not believe me anymore. That's how much the odds oh are stacked against me gosh. in this. So For the last week, my wife and I have been looking at each other randomly during the day and saying... <laughs> They stole it. <laughs> <laughs> they just stole it. <laughs> oh, man. oh man, I'm it's laughing gone. really. I'm laughing really hard, but that that sucks, man. I, I feel for you. It's you it's not ideal. Holes. It's not ideal. <laughs> it's gone forever. <laughs> hey, here's here's hoping they get to find it, man. I don't expect to see it again. All right, guys. Well, that's all we got for you today. Appreciate you guys listening. Um, as we mentioned, Alex and Anthony weren't here today, but they actually caught up with Russell Westbrook's uh, close friend, Demetrius Juice Deason, who's a comedian who's going to be appearing in his Why Not comedy show. Um, they had a sit-down interview and lots of good stuff about Russell Westbrook, Juice's life, and it was just a really fun interview so if you haven't listened to that definitely listen to that podcast on our top of thunder page which you can find at thundersintentions.com now that's thunderbasketball.com find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher anywhere you get your podcast and if you don't care if you have the time take a couple minutes leave us a five-star rating and a positive review nothing negative please and just know that we greatly appreciate that So on behalf of Alex and Anthony who aren't here and Maddie, Steven, and myself, y'all have a great night. God bless and thunder up. Thunder up. Thunder up. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.